Welcome to this podcast episode of Narcissists in Divorce, The Narcissist Trap. I'm Dr. Supriya McKenna. I'm a former family doctor, but my life's true work is working with people who have fallen prey to narcissistic relationships of any kind. But I'm particularly busy in the area of divorce. Over the last few years, I've been very proud to become an Amazon best-selling author on the subject of narcissism, and my brand new book, Narcissists in Divorce, From Love Locked to Leaving, is out right now on Amazon. That's the first book in the Narcissists in Divorce series, and the follow-on to that will be out in the spring, and that's called Narcissists in Divorce, From Leaving to Liberty. And please do note that although I use the word divorce, these books are equally applicable to anyone leaving a serious intimate relationship with a narcissist, whether they are married or not. I also have a book out called The Narcissist Trap, The Mind-Bending Pull of the Great Pretenders. And that book might be useful in helping the people around you who are supporting you to understand more about what happened to you and about narcissism generally. I'm also the co-author with British divorce lawyer Karen Walker of Narcissism and Family Law, a practitioner's guide. And between us, Karen and I have trained thousands of family law professionals in narcissistic personality disorder, including judges, lawyers, mediators and social workers. For further narcissism resources from me, please do visit thelifedoctor.org or drsapria.com. And that web address has the doctor fully spelt out. In this podcast, Karen is going to explain why it is that mediation in its classic form doesn't work, where one of the couple suffers with narcissistic personality disorder. And we're going to discuss a form of mediation that does work in this situation, hybrid mediation. We're also going to be talking about the two other out-of-court dispute resolution methods that could be successfully used when a narcissistic individual is involved. Most people think that, certainly when you're divorcing a narcissist, that the, the matter is going to end up in court. And I think that's, that's true in the main, isn't it? But there it, are other methods. It, it probably is true in the main because um, unless uh, both of the couple are prepared to agree to alternatives, then court is the only way forwards. It's the only um, form of process that you can engage in that doesn't require the agreement of the other spouse. So that, that's why a lot of cases, or most cases, that involve a narcissist find themselves there. The difficulty that we have, sadly, is that the court system has been subjected to underfunding for a very long period of time um, and is really creaking under the strain of that to the point that it's administratively very ineffective. Um, it is horribly delay-ridden. All of those things contribute in some ways to if the narcissist wants to occasion delay, it's the best place to be. If they want um, things to be difficult and unsatisfactory, um, it's the best place to be because you're up against the the, the administrative difficulties in any event. And so um, looking at out-of-court methods can be tricky and have to be handled quite carefully. Um, And there's that difficulty between encouraging separating couples to move towards out-of-court processes, which is very much the way forward and the way of the moment, um, because you're really having somebody make a decision for you should be an absolute last resort. And without doubt, 
because of the delay and because of the taximeter basis on which lawyers charge in the court process, it's by far the most expensive way to deal with matters, all of which may be music to the narcissist's ears and, and um, they, they may hope that their spouse will run out of money or run out of steam or just be worn down by, by the whole thing. Um, but there is an obligation on all lawyers at the in the first instance when um, looking at a new case to first consider whether matters can be resolved out of court. Um, and that is highlighted by the fact that mediation is probably the best known out of court process, mm. largely because before issuing any form of court application, you have to attend what's called a mediation information and assessment meeting, or MIAM, with an accredited mediator who will assess whether you could first deal with matters through that process. Now actually that meeting is intended to cover all options and there are quite a range of options that one can consider um, when one is separating which are out of court and I think um, from the point of view of the public it must appear hugely confusing. It's quite confusing for most lawyers to, to think about um, and impossible for a member of the public to decide what form of dispute resolution might be suitable in their particular situation. It's back to the point that we discussed in one of our other podcasts about how crucial it is to have the right lawyer advising you who's able to take you through all of these different options and guide you to what is going to be the best one for you. Mm -hmm. But mediation generally where one spouse is narcissistic is probably not going to be the best route, certainly not with the sole mediator and the couple for mm -hmm. all kinds of reasons. Um, and you say that as a mediator, I, do. I just want to point and out. To I do, and I'm, and I'm very pro-mediation mm. as, a, as a process. I think it works extremely well because it enables the couple to take ownership of the outcome and if they're properly assisted and supported um, so that they understand what the law says and what their options are, they can construct their own outcome and they've got buy-in to that and mm. they know why they are where they are. And whilst they might not be happy, they're at least content with the outcome. Mm. Well, they have to have the ability there to empathise with the other person and also to be able to compromise. Absolutely. And, of course, those are two things that Missing. narcissists don't do. They exactly. don't do empathy and they don't do compromise. So, so really, mediation is, is off to a bad start mm. in those circumstances. It also provides... Um, the wonderful opportunity to create triangulation between the spouse and the mediator, to try and get the mediator on side, um, to um, be the victim and then mm. the rescuer, um, and play all kinds of games which mm. are in the narcissist playlist that we've spoken about mm. previously. Um, and really putting your client on their own into that arena is probably not doing them any favours. Mm. That said, there is a different form of mediation, um, something called hybrid mediation, which um, is provided by specialist mediators who've undertaken particular training. Um, and it, it works on the basis of an expectation that the lawyers will be involved in the mediation process. So they will actually attend the mediation sessions with their client that almost certainly the clients will be separate, so they won't be with the mediator together, but they'll be seen um, in separate rooms or breakout rooms remotely um, by the mediator, supported by their lawyer. So the mediator moves between 
the one side and then the other. Um, they can hold confidences where appropriate of a negotiating nature, so not confidences about the financial resources, obviously, um, or material information or any safeguarding issues. But um, if the so, when you say that, you mean they can hold confidences, perhaps about what a person's bottom line is. Yes, say. exactly mm-hmm. that. So, um, so one person might say, "Well, um, I'm prepared to do this, but I want that in return for mm-hmm. it." Mm-hmm. Um, but don't tell mm-hmm. my wife or husband about that yet because I want to see where what, what their thought process is and that really helps the mediator be able to facilitate the negotiation when they've got in the back of their mind what both of the couple are prepared to do what's important to each of them the couple don't need to meet they've got their legal advice with them so that removes all of that triangulation mm. because the narcissist is not going to be in a triangle mm. metaphorically or otherwise um, with the mediator, but actually they're going to be with their own lawyer, um, working with the mediator as a facilitator, um, and that structure can can often give rise to a negotiated outcome, um, be, because there's much more control to it, and you've mm. got actually three professionals controlling the two of the couple, mm. which I think I think works much better than the classic style mediation. So. If you had to sort of make a, a stab at success rates on hybrid mediation um, done in this way with the, with the lawyers and the mediator moving between the two rooms, what do you think the success rate is? I'm going to stick my neck out and say I think it probably has a north of 80% success really? rate. Really? I mean, that's incredibly high. Provided the professionals involved are skilled enough to keep the narcissist in the process... And provided the professional advising the non-narcissistic spouse about how to achieve a negotiated settlement, points that we've talked about before about letting them feel that they've won. Yeah, so letting the um, narcissist feel that they've won. Exactly. Um, Extremely important. Looking at the bigger picture of your life and... We've talked also about the right answer lying within a bracket, but that bracket is quite wide, hence why you need all of these processes and judges and such like instead of just a calculator. Um, And so it's about your client thinking, actually, I'm prepared to take something that's at slightly the lower end of the bracket because it's going to save me money in legal fees, which is dead money. You're not going to, Mm. all that's doing is reducing the family pot Mm. the more you spend on lawyers. Um, it's going to give me my life back more quickly. Mm. If I've got children, actually, it's going to maintain a slightly better relationship with my narcissistic ex if they thought they won, even though I know I did because mm. I did it my way in the way that worked for me. And my lawyer guided me through that. So as long as you've got the right people involved, I think the success rate is really high. And hybrid-trained mediators have undergone that extra level of training so they're probably even more empathetic and attuned to the work that they're doing um, and will have much more likely to have a a very good understanding of this sort of personality disorder and the lawyers that are prepared to use it are also going to be out of Mm. the same um, out of the same bag so that type of professional together I think has a very high success rate. What about goalposts changing? Because that's a really big issue with narcissists, isn't it? They, they come up with an offer and then the other side thinks, well, that's close to, to what I consider to be reasonable. Um, so, um, yes, I'll accept that. 
um, and then they change their, their offer. Well, with the ability for the mediator to hold confidences, mm. it's actually much harder to move the goalposts because probably you haven't articulated the narcissist's actual offer to the other side. Mm. You're just formulating it, thinking about it, um, and facilitating discussion without necessarily going as far as making a firm offer. So if the mediator is very skilled, they can stop that goalpost moving because of the way that they will present the offer. And the fact that you've got legal representation with you takes away the point that mediation is a without prejudice process Mm. and any proposals remain without prejudice until you've taken independent advice. Well, if your advice is there and in the room with you you can take that advice there and then and so those proposals can become binding within the same meeting so there's not that opportunity to go away having made proposals which are without prejudice and then change your mind Um, so it's a much more contained environment Mm -hmm. and that's why I think I think as a process it it, with with these types of individuals it works much better Mm -hmm. Um, and if in your out-of-court toolkit I think that hybrid mediation is the most likely to work. And in terms of cost, again, I mean, how many sessions? And again, probably three to five sessions, something like that. It's it's obviously more expensive than classic mediation mm-hmm. because you've got your lawyers with you. Although that said, in classic mediation, you've still got to take independent advice outside of the mediation mm-hmm. sessions. You're probably going to look at somewhere around fifteen to twenty thousand in total fees for the couple. So that's the mediator and their respective lawyers throughout. Could be way less than that. It could be as little as four or five, again, depending on the issues that are involved. So that's potentially a huge saving, if that's sort of roughly £10,000 each. Uh, person. Mm. It's it's cars and school fees money. Mm. It it really makes a a material difference Mm. to to the Mm. family finances. And the beauty of it is it can be arranged at a time that suits you. Obviously, you've got a number of diaries to to put in place. Mm. Um, But subject to that, um, it's a very mobile and nimble way of of dealing with things. Mm -hmm. The way in which I I wouldn't necessarily recommend is, unfortunately, the collaborative process. Mm. Um, Now, the collaborative process has been being rebooted for a number of years. It It was... very much the go-to process in the early 2000s. But the principal reason why it's a bit withered on the vine is the fact that if the process breaks down, then both of the couple, in the pure form of collaborative, have to instruct different lawyers. Now, where that plays entirely into the hands of the narcissist is that if they're clever, they have total control of the process. Um, They get an opportunity to meet and work with their spouse's solicitor because the process is a it's run via what are called four-way meetings attended by the couple and both of their lawyers again which are without prejudice but when everybody goes home if they're still living under the same roof as we've discussed before you have a situation where undermining the other person's lawyer is rife and the biggest problem is that if the narcissist wants to they will sabotage the process to take away the lawyer from their spouse Mm. and knowing that they will have to give them up Mm. if that happens and knowing that there's nothing they can do about it so collaborative as as the pure collaborative process for narcissists I I think it's um, not the best place to be because it just puts the power back in in their hands very much so
So I know that another method of out-of-court dispute resolution that is a good choice where one of the couple is narcissistic is arbitration. So under what circumstances would you suggest this? If you need a decision made, if you think that you're trying to negotiate with this person is going to be hopeless, then go straight to arbitration. Mm-hmm. It's exactly the same as the court process, but you don't have to go through the, th- the two earlier stages. So there's no first appointment or um, first directions appointment. So that's the FDA. FDA. And there's no FDR or financial mm-hmm. dispute resolution appointment. So you can go straight to what's, what's known as the final hearing in the court process. And you and the arbitrator acts as the as the judge, as the is judge. That right? So, so they make they make the decision. They exactly that. So they're the paid private judge, and they will make a binding decision, just as a, a judge would in court. Because it's a private process, it still has to be turned into a formal order of the court. The good thing about that is that it's going to be looked at by a second set of eyes by the judge who's ratifying that decision. Um, very, very unlikely that the, the, the decision won't be upheld. Um, but you do get that, that second set of eyes, which is quite a good thing in, mm. in many ways. So who else needs to be involved? Do you need a barrister? Do you need your lawyer there? And how much is it going to cost? So it's probably going to cost um, between a third and two-thirds of the cost of a, a hearing in the court process. You would struggle to have a final hearing for under twenty-five to £30,000 going through the court process throughout, mm-hmm. but you can spend tens and hundreds of thousands of pounds depending on the complexity and, and the issues that are under discussion or um, up for adjudication. But it will definitely be less. I and mean, People think it will be more expensive because you're paying the arbitrator, whereas the judge is free. Mm. Yes, you do pay the arbitrator, that's right. But your overall legal costs will be less because it will be resolved in a much, much shorter time frame. There will be no duplication of work as a consequence of that. One of the big drains of fees and when you're in the court process is the requirement to constantly update financial disclosure or financial information because... As a consequence of the process being so slow, it will probably take 12 to 18 months to resolve matters. And, of course, things change. Mm. Um, Incomers can change, bank Mm. statements need to be produced, um, jobs can come and go, Mm. um, inheritances might be received, um, bonuses might be received, all kinds of things can happen. So there's that constant requirement to update. Mm -hmm. And also, because every file in a solicitor's cabinet um, has a cost of its own through physically being there there's always something that needs to be done as it goes through the process up to um, the final hearing if one is in court the fact that the time frame is concertina down to probably four months as against potentially 12 to 18 months the overall costs are reduced purely by that fact well presumably with that as well in a in a divorce from a narcissist you've only got four months of them toing and throwing um as as we know that the correspondence that that flies uh, back and forth mm-hmm. between solicitors on on minutiae shall mm-hmm. I, quite often or um accusatory correspondence changing goalposts making offers and then withdrawing them all of that the longer they've got to do that in the greater the potential for costs racking up and of course that's a, a, a financial abuse tactic that they use in order to rack up their legal costs. And you asked whether um, you would use barristers or not. Again, it, it really depends on the case. You don't need to. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have um, your advocate being a solicitor. You could have a decision made on paper. 
So you wouldn't actually have a, an in-person court hearing with evidence given on oath. You would each make written submissions and the arbitrator would make their decision based on that. And that can be more cost-effective still because the arbitrator's fees will probably be lower for that sort of adjudication. So um, it's a, a very beneficial way of resolving matters where you have a narcissistic spouse. The, the key, though, is that they have to agree. Mm-hmm. Now, you can appeal to um, the grandiose side of their personality. This is a very innovative, future-focused type of process. It's, it's used by people who are forward-thinking, who you know don't want to be with the hoi polloi in, in, mm. the, in the state-run system, if you like. Some rather unattractive methods of, of highlighting that perhaps it, it, it makes this couple feel a bit more special, is going mm. to appeal to the narcissist. Mm. So um, shamefully or otherwise, you might want to take advantage mm. of that. Um, and appeal to that side of their personality just to hook them in Mm. to something that may be beneficial um, to your client. Mm. Now there's one more out-of-court method, which is also a good option if one of the couple is a narcissist. So Karen, tell me about the Certainty Project. So the Certainty Project is a new way of dealing with things, um, and it's a combination of mediation or hybrid mediation you can choose which you might use so for a non-narcissistic couple classic mediation would be fine but where you're dealing with um, narcissistic personality disorder hybrid mediation as the method for trying to reach your own agreement and then the arbitrator being there to make a decision if necessary so the way in which it works is that the couple instruct their respective solicitors who then appoint an arbitrator and they have overarching control of the process they're there and email away to answer any questions um, which require a decision. So if you're drafting a letter of joint instruction to jointly instruct a surveyor for a property valuation or an, um, an actuary for a pension valuation and can't agree the wording of it, you would send it to the arbitrator and they would make that decision mm-hmm. for you. Um, the idea is that you first go into mediation and you hope that you reach your own outcome through that. But if you don't, then you would move straight into the arbitration process that we discussed earlier and your arbitrator will make a decision. So again, it's a very confined process, um, probably four to five months in duration in total. And um, again, very cost effective. It's probably a third to two thirds of the cost of running a, a court process through to at the end of the final hearing. I think out of court can work. It's just about picking picking your process, navigating your way through it and finding the means of encouraging the narcissist to participate. My brand new book, Narcissists in Divorce, From Love Locked to Leaving, is out now. For more information and online courses about narcissism, please do check out my websites, thelifedoctor.org or drsapria.com.